Welcome to Highly Political, a podcast where two passionate ladies smoke weed, talk politics, laugh, and sometimes cry, with special guests from the world of comedy, cannabis, and politics. We haven't worked on Capitol Hill, but that's okay. We're paying attention, and so should you. We want you to be informed, like little democracy angels. So pack your bowl, grab some snacks, and let's get into it. And remember, when they go low, we get high. Today we're smoking super glue, a cross between Afghani and Northern Lights with notes of sweet caramel and pine. It's sure to put you in a good mood. Our guest is Tiana's father, Richard Jones, a 20-year Marine Corps veteran and proud father of eight. Our girl Tiana was first baby in the batch. We can't wait to chat. While the strain has a calming effect, it will still keep me energized enough to have a spirited debate with my father. Let's see what happens. Let it up, T. Oh my god, Sammy, it's so good to be back. I know. I missed you. I missed you. <laughs> was this your first time, first trip to California going to a dispensary, Richard? Yes, it was. And how was that? It's interesting. We don't have this in Texas, so to see all of the uh, options on display was kind of interesting. It feels like pretty harmless, right? I think after you go to a dispensary, it's like a very commerce, transactional kind of vibe. Yes, initially. Um, there's still concerns about uh, what people are doing after they smoke. Are they at home? Are they on the road? Um, those are some of the concerns. Are they recording a podcast <laughs> with, <laughs> with your daughter? <laughs> and I think a lot of times, like, what people are going to do when they're high off of cannabis is a lot more demure to, like, someone being, like, drunk and fucked up. I think when you're high on cannabis, you just... You're, you have your hands on the steering wheel, 10 and 2, and you're like, oh, my God. You may drive a little slow. Well, I just think yeah. in general, like, to Dad's point about, like, being concerned about what happens when people, like, are high. What about when you go to the liquor store? You buy a... You buy a when you go to a bar, you go drug, to a restaurant. Yeah. You go to a kid's birthday party. Like, people are drunk and fucked up at all those places nowadays. And I think, in my experience, drunk people tend to be a little more uh, aggressive or dangerous than someone who's high. You know, like, the most dangerous thing you'll have to worry about your high friend is, like, them eating all your snacks or falling asleep on your couch or, <laughs> you know, giggling and, and Or not like talking that. to anybody at your party. They, that has happened to me as well. Um, I went to, um, I was in Vegas um, at this cannabis conference, and there was an after party, and they had a, a dab bar. Oof. Yeah. Anyone who's not um, familiar with dabs, it's a high-concentrate um, oil that you take a little dab of it and put it onto something similar to a bong and you take a hit. And the girl who's running the, the dab bar was a bad influence because she kept just like encouraging me to like keep taking the hit. And she, they have this thing that's like where you cap it to like, uh, you put it on top and it like, I don't know. I don't know traps exactly. Traps the smoke or Kind of traps the smoke or, I don't know. Somebody out there who's dabbing probably is like super irritated with me right now because I don't know the right terminology. But dab. basically it was like encouraging you to smoke more. So I was just like... <sighs> She's like dabbing it, looking at me. I was like, <sighs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and I had like tap out, and the girl was with like finished a chamber for me. But um, I was like in super high afterwards, and I haven't like dabbed in a really long time, and I haven't been that high in a really long time. And it was like not the this place for a social setting. And one of our newest coworkers, um, oh, was that, that a work? <laughs> was well, it was like a work thing, but yeah, like, yeah, but like after the work, kind of, yeah, like yeah. And then um, one of our new coworkers like introduced herself to us like at that event after I had just like hit the dab bar, and I was like, yo, I am not 
prepared to meet new people right now. <laughs> and I'd excuse myself and go to the bathroom. And I came back, and she was chatting for a little bit, and she left. And the people I was with were like, whoa, T, you were, like, too high for that. As soon as she came, you're like, uh, goodbye, I'll be right back. I was like, oh, shit, was it that obvious? <laughs> and then later on, when I finally, like, came out of it, I smoked a little CBD that helped kind of bring the high down. Um, I saw her later on. I was like, hey, sorry if I seem kind of weird when you first introduced yourself. I was just like really high and kind of struggling. So now I'm back. <laughs> nice to meet you. Can't wait to train next week. It's going to be great. She was like, I understand. But it was a cool party. And like they had like multiple dab bars. Exhibit was there. He has a cannabis company. Hmm. Yeah. And it just made me think about like all the Pimp My Ride episodes. Oh, my God. You know, it's, again, it's nice to be back in the studio recording the podcast. It's been over a month since Sam and I have seen each other. I have not been smoking that much in preparation for this. Oh, my God. I didn't smoke this morning in preparation. (laughs) So you're welcome, everyone. (laughs) I've been really excited and nervous to hang with Tiana's dad because he's a pretty ardent Trump supporter. And to, like, calm my nerves, I kept... I've kept singing that, like, what is it, the Counting Crows song? Mr. Jones and me. I've been singing that, like, all week in my head. (laughs) Every time I get nervous about, like, yelling at Tiana's father, even though I won't, I just... Don't worry. I yell at him all the time, so he's prepared. He he gave birth to you. He doesn't know me. We have uh, I I actually didn't give birth to her. Well, that's right. That's right. He provided some some ample ingredients for your birth. That is true. We like to call that the the JC. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But... In some of my travels, uh, I was in New York, and I found a, a little present for you, Sammy, that I think is kind of perfect. Okay? <laughs> it's hiding behind a pillow. <laughs> I've been saving this for like a month to give to you. Um, this is a biodegradable grinder. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> it, oh, it looks beautiful, actually. It is actually really nice. Wow, it looks just like my phone case. Oh, that's right. It's also biodegradable. I told you it was perfect for her. Oh, my God. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> That's so nice of you. I'm getting a compost. Erica, we have a garden now, and I'm getting a compost bin. <laughs> Do you know that my phone case can compost in the co- after two years? Oh, wow. But if you put it, if you go to, like, an industrial compost, it takes, like, six months. But oh. you can actually, you can, oh, I'm like, really? I'm so excited. You can probably, I, I'm assuming I could probably put this in my normal compost when I, like, give up smoking never right. so it's gonna be with me oh my god i love it so shall we get to the main event and like chat with your dad about our fundamental differences yeah let's do it okay this is like a daily uh, event for me right we have, like a family group chat where my dad will send like politically driven things and my sister and brother-in-law do not respond <laughs> and it's just me and my dad going back and forth and this morning my sister started to respond and was like hella playful and then me and my dad got back at it literally in the same same room yeah (laughs) (laughs) messaging each other sending memes and my sister's like okay well i'm gonna go and let you guys uh do this have a good podcast bye (laughs) i'm gonna play with my cute kids um so i think uh one thing that i can't seem to get past with a lot of i guess i'm just gonna use the word arden again trump supporters is their denial of climate change Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time I was in Texas, everyone, um, I literally made Sam FaceTime my dad to speak about <laughs> climate change. So I'm excited to watch this happen live in person. Well, here's the thing. So for me, it's it's like I don't understand why it's an issue, right? I feel like it should be, you know, ev- no matter what side of the aisle you're on, no matter what, I think we should all kind of have a consensus that 
it's happening. A lot of governmental panels have, you know, given evidence. So, uh, Mr. Jones, I just want to get your thoughts on climate change and, you know, why you're cool with uh, Trump really dismantling a lot of, like, environmental protections that are keeping us, you know, healthy and have clean air and happy. Sure. So the first question is climate change. Um, how are you defining it? How are we measuring it? What time frame are we looking at in relation to the Earth? So for some of us, that's the debate. Um, what condition are we looking at and is it going to pass in the next hundred years? I don't know if there's enough data out there that we can all agree upon. So that's the main concern or reason that we say let's not make certain changes right now to have a better understanding of what's going on. And then also, when you look at larger countries like China and India, their pollution is much greater than ours. Making changes here, is that really going to move the needle on the earth and at what cost to the American economy? Um, so the time period we're talking about is in the last uh, 650,000 years. And were the scientists from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a, a body from the United Nations of uh, countries elect scientists independently to give um, objective information on health crises, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, from the Industrial Revolution is really where they're pinpointing climate change. And climate change is um, affecting, like, so basically, it's not day to day; it's a long term, and how how things are uh, rapidly increasing, right? So, uh, since the industrial revolution, uh, the oceans are getting more acidic, the ice caps are melting at alarming rates, uh, record highs are increasing, and record lows are decreasing, and it's like getting you know getting fucking hot. And um, so, the the scientists say right that the current warming trend is a particular significance because most of it is extremely likely 95 percent probability to be the result of human activity since the mid-20th century so we're rising carbon so that's the climate change issue that's what they're defining as climate change and it's you know the the trump administration seems to be taking language away from climate change. You know, Trump said it was a Chinese hoax. And also with the China and India thing, it's like, okay, just because they're being bad doesn't mean we have to be bad. We're, we're right. supposed to be, you know, Leaders. like the standard, a leader yeah, in that I, regard. I will say that is a very frustrating argument um, for me to say, well, these people are, you know, contributing more. So what does it matter if I dump my little bit into the mix as well? Right. Um, I think that type of thought process just contributes to not being accountable. You know, it's like pointing fingers versus being like, okay, let China and India, you know, figure out on their own, but like, what can we do? You know, just like any kind of problem, like what can I do? What can I control? And I think as a country, we need to take big steps to make these changes and to be leaders. And, you know, hopefully people will follow in our footsteps. So the challenge I have with, the argument you've presented is you didn't mention anything about the impact to our economy and our country if we solely make independent changes. If the world bodies come together and make these suggestions, kind of like the Paris Accord, if there was something that was manageable for 
each country's economy, I could support it. But when we have these conversations, Tiana, you never come back to the economy part of my so argument. then my question is well where's your what economy? is what is your concern yeah. that what effects do you see that negatively happening to the economy so under the obama administration when we started reducing carbon um, output uh, coal mines and other activities we didn't have a replacement in place before we made the changes so we started shutting down coal companies coal mining the production of certain types of energy without a, a plan to keep the country strong. I'm saying we can support climate change, but we have to have a better plan that looks at the entire impact of these changes. So you do believe in climate change, you're just weary of what it may do to the economy? I believe the climate is changing, the cause is debatable, and to what, well, what percentage is, that we're causing is debatable. But why is that debatable when like scientists after study after study after study, council after council after council says, 95% probability post from the Industrial Revolution on. Why is that debatable? That seems like objective, fa it seems like research and fact, like you would do any other, any other research for anything else, you know? No, so that 5% that you keep glossing over, you say 95, but you don't say there's a 5% chance it's not related to this. So if it's not 100% and it's not conclusive, the scientists are estimating or guessing what they believe the data and you show. don't think 95 percent should be a we should be weary of that no um i'm a quality person 99.9 .9. you need something as close to perfect for it to be a fact if there's any room for reasonable doubt you can't but say that that's what's causing something what what like reason what have you done like what i'm trying to think of like a hundred percent example of anything right besides like math in via research like american cancer society like this percentage of people for health guidelines right like this percentage of people become obese if they eat this like these these aren't absolutes they're they're guides and suggestions after a lot of research that it just seems so it seems ignorant to ignore the 95 percent just because there's a slim chance that these guys and ladies might be wrong right so the other challenge that we have is the labeling. You're saying ignorant. Why can I not just be unaware of? So there's, there's, the, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's, right, but ignorant is a... You're being willfully ignorant about it. But again, you're labeling something, someone, with no reference. Yeah, but... It, it doesn't make me ignorant just because I recognize the 95%. But I'm acknowledging there's also a 5% that's not the case. But, then you're, but you're saying that 95% therefore does not count then because there's still a 5% chance of doubt. In the way that I evaluate data, yes, that's what I'm saying. So I don't really know about like being in the Marines, so that seems amazing. <laughs> but like I'm saying if you're generals, sure, right, sure. we're like there's a 95% chance that we can go... I don't know what Marines do into this village and like save these people. Okay. Okay. Sure. Would have you, would you guys have done it or would some have been like, ah, 5%, 5% Sam says no. So let's not. Yeah. But that's definitely not how the Marine Corps and the armed services work. So this particular scenario giving me won't work for my, my argument. Um, you're asking me to come up with a scenario where a hundred percent is, is the result. Yeah. Um, you can do certain tests, automotive equipment specifically, where you can test something a thousand times and a thousand times it's going to pass. 
you know, there's some absolutes. There's 100%. But the pass is not, passing grades aren't always 100, though. That's that's fair. But again, we're having a different debate now or a different conversation about the meaning of words. Right. And I'm because I'm we trying started to... with we started with climate change and whether or not we believe in it um, and what the impact is and who's causing the impact. That's the whole debate. The five percent that I'm looking at is there's a potential we aren't causing it at the rate it's being reported. So, so I don't have enough data. So in conclusion, your thoughts on climate change are. It's happening. It's debatable who's causing it, and we need to look at the impact to our country before we make changes. So what other than, let's say, Industrial Revolution and carbon, do you, ha do you have any idea, just like a human walking around, what could cause the alarming acceleration post-Industrial Revolution? Well, without a doubt, it's going to be the emissions from our cities and our countries. But again, it's to what rate? is my concern. Is it to the rate that we have to take action now? Or can we take five years and come up with a bipartisan plan across many countries? Which is the Paris Accords, no? The Paris Accord, the limits in there were not fair or, or equal across the countries. If you have a smaller country who doesn't have our current emissions, we both can't cut 10% or whatever the number may have been. Right. I so, think they changed it. But they didn't change it for the U.S. That's why we got out of the Paris Accord. It was too restrictive. I mean, I guess once again, I just think as a as a leader, we could have we just could have stayed in. I don't. I think Trump got back rolled out clearly because it was an Obama thing and not because it's better for the planet. I guess is my annoyance with it. The beauty of this conversation is you're entitled to your opinion, right? We right. can agree to disagree. I but I don't want to continue to, to agree to disagree with people anymore because I think that's a root cause of why everybody's so annoyed at each other. Mm. No, I, I, I think it's the opposite. We, we don't agree to disagree. People want to argue. If my point doesn't match your point, now we have an attack or an <laughs> argument, depending but, on who you're talking to. Yeah, right, right. But I think there's certain things, you know, like climate change and immigration where opinions, opinions, um, the ramifications of opinions affect people, you know, drastically. Sure. Agreed. Right. Agreed. So, you know, we, I think, you know, we live in a place where, you know, climate change is something that's on our mind, but it's not directly affecting our lives. Right? It, we, I mean, we, we're not very in, hot right now. It's, yeah, I mean, it's extremely it, hot right now. record highs. But we're not like in a famine or, you know, and, and things like that and, and have to have forced migration and, and those types of things. So it's easier for us to be like, oh, you know, opinions are opinions. Let's agree to disagree because it doesn't directly affect our day to day life on an extreme level. And I think to Sam's point, the more that we we allow ourselves to just be like, you know, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Like that's fine. But you have to have an opinion that's based off. There has to be some ob objectivity. Like if, some, if it's some going knowledge. to affect other people, right? An opinion is, I like curly hair. Well, I don't like curly hair. Well, it's a difference of opinions. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. I feel like, you know, an opinion of based off facts and like you said the 95% versus the 5% it's not an opinion versus like we have to do something I feel like 95% is enough to like alarm should be alarming okay yes we should do something it's the this is the part that we can't agree on when and what right if, what? We, if we can agree on those two when should we start and what do we need to do 
I think we'd all be in alignment, regardless of mm. the definition or the percentage. I'm just saying, being a logistics person, I'm more cautious. I need a plan. I need to know my end goal. I know where we're trying to go versus let's just start something today and then deal with the impact tomorrow. I think that's fair, but I think people have been asking for a while to start something. Yeah. And I think that right now, just with a lot of stuff going on, it's more of a buzzword. But if you look at politicians like Sam's boy, Jay Ensley, who've been talking about climate change and, and the effects of it and that we need to do something for over 20 years. So it, it's to me, it's kind of like a cancer. It's like cancer. You know, if you get diagnosed with cancer, yes, I agree. You know, I wouldn't just rush into chemo. I want to look at different options and figure out what I would want to do. But I would feel like that I have, there's a pressure to come up with an option, to come up with a solution, to come up with a plan. And I think a lot of times we get stuck on, we have different opinions and this and that, or I do believe in climate change, or I don't believe in climate change, that we stall. And so we just let the cancer fester and get bigger and bigger. So like, I agree with you, like if, if it means a bipartisan agreement and, and doesn't mean like our ideas of how to change or stop climate change may be right or wrong, at the end of the day, I think we need to agree, we have to come up with something, whatever that means. Right. And so keep in mind, we're all saying, this, the three of us are saying the same thing. We need to do something, right? But also keep in mind, we've had multiple administrations come and go, Obama, eight years, Trump, two years, and now you're wanting something overnight. So, not, so let's just agree. Let's put a stake in the sand now and say from this point forward, we need to do something. Okay, great. I Wonderful. I agree with that, too. So then, so now Trump, his EPA head, his new EPA head, who took over from Tillerson, who then took over from, who was the second guy who replaced Tillerson? It wasn't Tom Price. He left. He was... Uh, was it a Scott? Scott Pruitt. He, I think yeah, Scott I think Pruitt he left. Was, yeah. So Trump's new head of EPA does not believe in climate change. Right? So he, he's appointing an, an EPA, and Pruitt, who was the former head of the EPA, also was skeptical of it, right? Oh, Jacqueline. Trump has said climate change is a hoax, right? So now we've all come to the consensus that we should do something, we should look into it, but now this administration has elected the highest environmental position in the land who was a former lobbyist for coal and does, has said that he, has not, he does not believe in climate change. So to me, that's a big problem, right? Like, what is the pushback? Why, what is this, this hate on coming together and acknowledging scientific research in this in this particular cabinet and administration <clears throat> so when we started the conversation we talked about the definition of climate change and who's responsible there are people that don't agree with your results you say it's it's 100 or you say it's 95 percent. you say it's reliable but there are people that don't agree and the people that don't agree are in government positions that allow them to appoint others that believe the way they do so is it that they don't agree as in they don't believe climate change is real or that it um, or like the the reasoning behind what it's created is it no the, what we the new epa head is he is a former coal lobbyist and him and james dean hoff who are on an environmental panel on the subcommittee literally have said i don't believe in climate change james dean hoff is the one who brought the snowball into the chamber oh, and yeah. was like world's not warming there's still snow so right. Like, so do you like is that? Do you agree to, with that type of um, like thought process? 
I believe people that have a difference of opinion in positions of power are allowed to appoint as they see fit for the view that they have. But if I'm you don't agree with that view of that person, then you got to put somebody else in that position. No, I, that's fair. And I'm asking you what you think. I don't know what data they've seen. And I know I'm not answering your question directly, but I will right. get there. Um, I don't know what, what additional information they have that I currently don't have. I can only go off what's presented to me in the news. I have not done any research on this. I do believe we cause some level of uh, deterioration uh, to the ozone layer. And as we, do you mean we, uh, the human, human race yes, or yes, Americans? Yes. I just want to clarify. Well, I mean, well, yes. So we were talking about China and India before, so. Right. Well, I was just talking about major polluters. No, I agree. That I also understand. can help move the needle because a small company, 15 small companies, aren't going to help move the needle if the larger ones don't. No, I agree. It's dangerous to appoint somebody who has decided they don't want to tackle climate change when their job is to help protect the environment. And as you said, like, when are we going to start? We're going to start now? We're going to start in 20 years? Well, this guy is not going to look into it. And it's just, I think it's, al I think it's alarming, right? Because we've all talked about right. this. We've all, you know, and it's, to me, I don't understand why this administration, why can't they just, you know, choose somebody even who has said, yeah, maybe climate change is happening. Let's figure it out. But this guy is on record saying, like, he does not. He 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 does believe might be might have been the wrong word. He's not convinced, mm. or, you know. And it just and he is a, and he's a former lobbyist for coal. You know, that's like it's putting like a, a former a interest. former lobbyist of the tobacco industry on the on the health council. It just seems so wrong. And we yeah, it's like when you feel like you can trace um, how someone would directly benefit from going against something that may you know or financial benefit. Yeah, um, can make you make you question things right at the very least right see over like no, there's no right not to speak in an absolute but those types of things when you follow the trail of money and things like that then you start to question someone's integrity and if it's authentic or not right so do you really not believe in climate change or or you don't, aren't convinced or is it because you have your hand in coal and you stand to benefit from us continue to utilize that <clears throat> but can't you see like why that would be like alarming? Yes, but alarming is an emotional word. Counterproductive. Counterproductive is something that you can measure. There's an absolute to it. Greedy. Uh, so sure. So you know there are. <laughs> I see we're flipping through the dictionary yeah, now, here. Now everybody I hope everybody now understands why I'm such a stickler for a certain vocabulary and why I think it's important because I've been debating with this fool for 32 years of my life, okay? Uh, 29, technically, but... Uh, oh, my God. It's difficult to have a 32-year-old daughter when you're 29. There we go, guys. I literally was thinking about this podcast, and I was like, I wonder if we we're going to ask Dad how old he is, and then I'm going to be like, oh, great. He's going to be like, I'm 29. <laughs> I don't normally say it that way, but thank you. I'm 29. I mean, you do look fabulous for your age. So. Uh, thank you, but slow down with the flirting. My daughter's right here. So. Oh, my God. I am. I warned you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my, my, dad gave, my dad gave Tiana, like, kind of a, a too long of a hug, and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> kind of like a half, like, cheek kiss thing, too. I was like, 
Hey, nice to meet you. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I now understand our exit hug sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. But to me, the, the cut and clearness of a former coal lobbyist becoming the head of the EPA just seems fishy at, at best, like, you know, at least, you know? I can support fishy. I can support shady. I can support alarming. I can support all those terms. But the guy's innocent until proven guilty. If, if there's but what a, would be the if, guilt? If there's a concern, we can investigate, we can look into, we can question. There's a lot of things we can do to validate this is a good person with the right intent. And then you can label them however you want. But, but prior to that, I don't know if we can say something is fishy. And then, yeah, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I'm just going to do a, a list of things that the administration has rolled back environmentally and how I think it's important that we all pay attention to this. So... Uh, He's signed more pipeline orders, which attribute to carbon in the air, getting hotter. Um, he greenlit the Keystone Pipeline that went through, uh, that goes through indigenous communities' water line. And um, time after time, example after example, these pipelines have, dirty, have been dirtying water and making water uh, not drinkable for American citizens. Um, oil and gas companies get access to the sage-grouse habitat, which is a endangered bird. Um, also, parts of the wall he's trying to build go through a butterfly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So we really could be just eliminating species for biodiversity's sake. Um, oh, also the Defense Department is at odds with Trump about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, they see it as a direct threat right now to them in certain uh, countries. You oh, know, interesting. Because climate change, uh, it can instable a, a place. Like, because no water, so... People have to migrate, as you right. said, so they see it as a threat. Um, there was also a, a sharp logging increase. So from the Obama administration, 31% uh, logging increase. So we're cutting down more trees. Um, the criminal enforcement's hit a 30-year low, low. We're taking uh, more endangered species off the endangered species list and lowering um, their, their threat like from outside forces. Uh, oh, rolls back Obama-era coal, ru- coal rules, um, eases drilling controls, um, and he, he, oh yeah, uh, first offshore oil wells approved for the Arctic, and literally gigatons of Arctic ice are being melted every year at, a, at an alarming rate. What's a gigaton? I don't know. I was like, whoa, I can't, I literally can't measure a gigaton. I have no idea. (laughs) No frame of reference for a gigaton. The one thing he has done is he expanded a public lands act that helped, um, it, uh, it protected some more land. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was the only good thing he did on this. So doesn't it seem like this administration kind of has, has it in for our clean air and water? I just understand not being concerned about how clean your air is and how clean your water is. It's like living in a fish tank that never gets cleaned. Yeah. So, ladies, I, th- I think both your, your comments are extreme, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> Everything you read on that list, yes, they are changes, but what are the benefits of those changes? How is it going to increase movement of fuel and energy from uh, Canada to uh, the United States? How is it going to uh, impact as far as generating jobs? Um, we have a lot of these plate, these pipes already in place in other areas, and yes, there are some challenges. Maybe they're using a new technology on this pipeline. We don't ever get into the weeds of the positive part of all of the things you just went through that list. 
somebody had to take a look at it, make a determination if it was truly better for someone if they made that change. We I guess the, the concern is who's the someone? Well, that's the government. The government is so large, we don't know the specific people making certain decisions. We can find it. There's public information acts that you can gather that information. But if we're only going to talk on the surface level about these items and not have a true conversation A to Z, you guys are presenting on one side of the story, which is your perspective, your selective per well, perspective. No, my, but it's not, I'm just, I just had a running list of these things, right? So it's not my perspective. I'm just listing facts and I agree with you, but um, like drilling oil in the Arctic, we, we do know that Russia has had their eye on the Arctic. Um, but is it negative if the U.S. drills there? Well, what, I mean, putting two spe forcibly putting two species extinct, you don't think for the greater good of biodiversity we should out we should protect them or or easing um, easing limitations on you know like clean air acts and things like that. I I, don't you think that clean air and clean water is just more important than the small economic benefit? If the Republicans really cared about the economic benefit, they wouldn't have given a lot of wealthy people tax cuts that could have been pumped into the economy for things that we need. Okay. On the first piece, I think man, as the alpha species on the planet, does whatever they have to do to survive and continue to live. If we lose other species in that process, I think that is for the better of uh, the many, if that happens. That's my first statement. As far as the tax break, there's still discussions on who's getting what breaks. If more Americans have their own money that they can invest in different ways, that generates more taxes, more revenue that goes back to the government. It's just not being managed by the government. So when you say the tax cuts were bad, Give me something that I didn't bad say about. they were bad. Okay. I said, if we care about economics and we're, what and money and how it affects the economy, then the tax breaks shouldn't have gone to wealthy people and creating a, 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 a an added one trillion to the deficit. Right. So the argument always is, I mean, this is just goes back to money and, and where money goes and how it affects the economy, sure. which it seems to go hand in hand with people who are anti-environmental, strict, strict environmental policies. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, there may be some uh, select individuals um, that truly don't care about the environment and they're looking at it a purely economic uh, decision. Um, I do think there are some people that do care about the environment, but they weigh the pros and cons and they believe at this time their decision is the best decision. That's why we put people in those positions to make decisions that we think they'll make the best decision. We don't always agree. And if we truly disagree, there's methods to share that disagreement. Right. Right. I, just, I know. My opinion is that I think a lot of the arrogance of the human species is that we don't have to, we only have to care about ourselves and not to care about the environment. The environment is our home. Back to my point of if you never clean your fish tank, guess what's going to happen to your fish? They're all going to die. And it doesn't matter if, you know, the fish are like, hey, don't clean this fish tank because I want that fish to die first. <laughs> like, we're all going to die. And maybe that fish got a, had a little bit more fun and got to own this fish tank for a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, it's like things like clean water and clean air. They affect everyone. And 
And I understand there's going to be economic choices and we, there's more data to look into, but it just feels that there is an over alarming consensus that it doesn't matter. And I feel like it should matter. And it's confusing to me that the economics of a country, it would be more important than the health of its people, of its people. Because at the end of the day, sick people aren't going out and spending money. They're not working. They're not stimulating the economy. So it just becomes a, an us versus them type of thing that just is, from my mindset and the type of way I live my life, is really hard to kind of comprehend. And then you trickle it down to congressional Republicans and where they get their money from and the Trump administration where they used to work, and you see a pattern of favoring coal and oil. You see a pattern of these things, and you can't help but connect the two. But when the picture you draw from connecting those dots isn't always a negative picture. Again, innocent, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, it may look bad. It may, at first glance, not give you the, the, the comfort you're looking for. But we've got to have a conversation and get into the facts, the specifics. Okay, so the new... The new head of the EPA, he went. He provided a motion to disband air pollution review panel. So they want to disband a they panel. They don't even want people to look into. Yeah, what's they don't happening. even want people to look in. So how? What is a, a benefit perhaps down the line of, a group, of um, experts just reviewing air pollution and the effects on, humanity. So. Since we don't have all the information, what if there's another department or another group or another board that is also looking at air quality and the second one was a redundant activity that they didn't need to repeat? We don't know that. It's an option. Okay. So a lot of what ifs. So <laughs> but I feel, but I feel like, the, I feel like the, the exact <laughs> counter argument is what if there isn't? Yeah. That's, yeah, what, what if, if there, there isn't? isn't? It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> right. feel. I mean, I know this is an emo. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's. But the twenty member, par, uh, par, particulate matter review panel mm -hmm. has been made up of experts in the health dangers of soot. The former EPA is a coal lobbyist, and he is disbanding a panel who are experts on the dangers of soot. It seems nefarious. Okay, so this is a. Great, it looks nefarious. Right. So this is a great example of reporting what they want you to hear, the message they want you to receive. Whatever source you're reading from doesn't, doesn't give you both sides or the full story. And that's what's frustrating about the media or news is depending upon whose filter it's going through, it's presented a certain way. So the way you read that, that statement, my true response should be, that's horrible, something is wrong. But my response was, we don't know enough to make that decision. But you're you're working in a lot of like negative like you're working in a lot of things that a lot of fake news. A, well, <laughs> where, I mean, it's, I just it's just it, what if there's not okay? What what if there is a panel okay? But what if there's not? What if there's not? You know, it's a lot of okay. Well, you know, what would be the harm of keeping this group? I you know, because I don't know another panel on air pollution. This just this is a, this not this isn't even an opinion piece. This is literally just like we're gonna give you a list mm -hmm. of things that are that are rolled back and what and what their what their what they provided the EPA. Sure. Right. Sure, I understand. Right. So. But at face value, it does look bad, and it does send a message <laughs> that <laughs> that they don't care. 
which is a bad optic if that's not how they feel. And you're never going to get a straight answer out of me. So just, I was going to say, I'm might as well to move on to well, the next Well, for the record, <laughs> Trump thinks that climate change is a hoax after we discussed all of this. And, you know, it looks, it looks like they don't care. And I, that's important because we want, we want future generations or, to enjoy what we enjoyed or, as children. Or to, like, play, you know, maybe it's not that they don't care, but what is it that they care more about? And it's sad because they're all, not you, Richard, but, like, the Trump is 74 He's he's not going to be around for all this gross air and dirty water, so just uh, we're going to be though. I know. I'll be here, twenty nine. Yeah, you're going to outlive us both. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Did you hear about that? Uh, the kid in Dallas that got detained. No. He's an American citizen, and ICE picked him up with a couple of his friends. I think a couple of the people that were in the car um, were undocumented, uh, but he had his driver's license, hit a photo of his social security card and his birth certificate. And they denied or uh, detained him for 26 or 23 days. And he lost 26 pounds while he was in there. I just, I'm just confused like how those, those items aren't enough to prove that you're a legal citizen. What else do you need? And first of all, if I got stopped on the street and somebody asked me, I would at best have my driver's license as long as I wasn't going somewhere I didn't feel like I needed it, like around the corner to like change the laundry at the laundromat. But I definitely would not have a photo of my birth certificate or my social security card. Like, to be honest, I'm not quite sure where either one of those are. (laughs) 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 I think they're somewhere in this house. I got to look for them. But it's just like, so that's just like concerning to me that you could just be detained for that long you would think in 23 days that'd be enough time to get a, a copy of your birth certificate or your social security card brought down to be like yo that's that's me some 1984 shit so Very scary so this is another example of how the media is choosing to present the story the part that's missing from this story is why was he detained what happened at the detention center what happened with why would they even bring them in i understand that but that's why i'm saying we don't have enough information we don't have the details of what happened and then once he got into the system did they just drop the ball internally did his paperwork fall on the floor i mean we don't have that part of the story to truly make a comment that this is something negative and if this is a one-off does it warrant all this coverage yeah yeah because it, it, i if yes you should not be detained in if again if you're a citizen of this country, you can be here, you haven't done anything wrong, and again, like, maybe I don't have the facts, maybe you did something crazy wrong, but I feel like somewhere I would have, we would have heard of that by now, then maybe we'll come out af- after this podcast drops, and uh, sorry guys, they were wrong. They weren't doing, they weren't speeding, no drinking. They were going, they stopped they at a checkpoint. They were just cho- stopping at a checkpoint. checkpoint. Yeah, it was a checkpoint. In the U.S. or in Mexico? In the U.S. In Texas. In Texas. Outside of Dallas, I think. Maybe wrong about that part. But you I know, you know they say don't mess with Texas. Oh my God, Dad, you are not from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But what if it happened to Tiana, right? Yeah. Tiana was at a checkpoint. She's driving with me, and um, and then they they let me go. To, I don't know. They and they detained Tiana, and she has just her license on her, and maybe a picture of her social security card because she can't find a birth certificate. Yeah. And then they detain her for twenty three days wouldn't you find that outrageous and illegal and 
fascist and an abuse of power. An abuse of power. I would message DT. Oh my God. And then he would message me back and we would take care of this. Okay, but real answer though. <laughs> I would message MT and tell her to tell DT. They don't speak. Another real, real scenario. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, this is a thing that's going to be really frustrating about any part of this conversation. There will never be an absolute answer. Right, but but that's but that's like, but that's what makes it so frustrating to like just have an opinion, like say something. Everything feels like a way say to like shift, or you know, it's just it's like so frustrating to me. It's just like uh, it just feels like omission. It just feels like I'm not really gonna tell you how I feel, but then say why how you feel isn't right. I know you're coming with facts, but it's just it's just the whole what if thing. It's a slippery slope to to viol- just, to human rights violations, right? And this is an example. Yes. And also the way that people are being treated at the border is like you just catch and release instead of keeping them in these young women are being sexually abused by these guards. There's human feces. It's children are dying. It's disgusting. And America is doing this to them, which I mean, a death sentence would be sending them back because they are coming. They're fleeing their lives in danger, right from danger. But the way what we're what we're how we're handling at the border is really shocking, embarrassing, and un-American. So when you say American, are you talking the Obama administration American? No, I'm talking about or, I'm talk- or Trump because I'm the, talking about human rights. I understand that, but the the detention areas and the fenced-in areas oh, that yeah. these people are currently in were built during the Obama administration. So. The Trump administration is simply utilizing current facilities okay, yeah. to manage more people than they can physically handle. So they have to have a way to at least encompass them somehow and give them some level of protection from the elements, which is actually a positive thing. They're, okay. <laughs> what about keeping the doors on the Mexican border side? <laughs> what about keeping the doors the on the Mexican border Concentration camps are a positive thing. Like, come on. Like, it, just because someone built the jail, how you utilize it doesn't mean that, that that person's responsible because you built that house. You know what I mean? How you conduct yourself in that house is on you. Fair. It's not that's, on the architect. That's, that's fair. Yeah. You know but, what I mean? But, I, but yeah. I want to make sure when we have these conversations, you don't paint it as just the Trump administration. Okay, but the Obama administration wasn't doing this. It wasn't in, it wasn't the same conditions, and they had a lot of... They didn't separate children. They didn't separate children. Families. Okay, but you're being specific on a couple of the items that you mentioned earlier. All I'm saying is, when can we stop with the titles and simply say, we have a problem at the border that we need to fix? And that's we what do. we said. No, but, but, but said. you always go back to the Trump administration or the Republicans specifically. Well, because of their handling He's, of it, it's embarrassing. And they're running it. They're, it's, they're in charge of it right now. But and we, we but, as but Americans keep in mind, do have a problem. We can't pass certain legislation unless we have the, the Democrats included in some of these votes. It's not just the facts, but it's also the emotion. A lot of what you two ladies have said today, I feel, I think, it looks like, it appears, um, it's, co- it's concerning, it's alarming. Those are all optics and perceptions before you get to the next level. And I hear a lot of your comments, and you're wanting the Trump administration to act off that first wave of energy. My impression is they're taking that, having conversations, getting the facts, and then making a decision that may not match the outcome you wanted or the speed that you wanted. That's what I'm feeling from this conversation. And I think a lot of our concern is that that process of coming to a conclusion, I don't believe is happening with this administration. I don't think people are sitting down and like thinking, and at least people are forcing 
certain things that happen aren't making decisions like that. So that's where my concern comes in and where I don't have a trust in this administration to have those types of dialogue and log logistical conversations and looking at data and facts. Well, I, I think you have blinders on. I think you have blinders that are labeled a certain way. I think you have two left blinders on. Um, at no point do you acknowledge any of the accomplishments of this administration. At no point do you give me any facts or data of the positive things they have done in two years with all the other challenges that they've had. Right. Well, when somebody's burnt the house down, I'm not going to congratulate them on the beautiful flower bed in front of it. I, I, I got it. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying I, well, to have a true discussion, why don't it's got to be both sides. Why don't we get – I mean – well, that's why we have you on. So why don't you tell us some um, real quick, though? I want to just give you a quick co quote. Okay. Because um, you say, you know, you work in terms of numbers and facts, but Donald Trump is extremely emotional. And uh, just one of his quotes is, I'm going to build a wall to stop the gangs and the violence and the drugs from pouring into our communities, right? So he in constantly insults the people who are coming in back to just Tiana's point. And he's not saying we have a crisis this is how it affects the economy. This is why we need to change it. He just says they're, uh, they're pouring drugs and criminals in, right? So maybe if he said, look, we're doing this at the border because this is how it affects America X, Y, and Z. So this next statement is going to get me in trouble, but I'll say it anyway. When it comes to conversations, sometimes you only want to hear it your way. If it's not your way, you don't hear the message. What do you think? What so is the message? It's interesting to me because I feel like all the things you're saying could be said to what you've, everything you say. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, continue. But how do you read that quote then? What do you get from it? Read the quote to me again, please. I'm going to build a great border wall to stop illegal immigration, to stop the gangs and the violence and the drugs from pouring into our communities. And only, I mean, also to highlight, specifically talking about our southern border. Right. Not doing this Canada. Right. Well, I mean, not so, that Canadians so, are trying to get into our <clears throat> That quote, I'm curious if there's a series of dots at the end. There's not. It's an right. exclamation point. So that was the only sound bite that he said in the entire conversation or interview or was this, this, this information parsed out of a much bigger conversation where, where he may have said other it's things? It's just like excerpts from his um, rallies. Mm. But that's what I'm saying. He may have said other things, and well, he may so have he talked about the other people, the human trafficking and the negative things happening to women and unaccompanied minors being you know, sold and bought and utilized. He may have covered that, but, but it doesn't match your narrative. So you parse out the part about just the, the gangs and then you want to put the label on top of him that he's a racist because he's pointing this out for a particular group of people. Uh, well, and, and it's only a perspective if I don't have all the information. Right. right? Some things are more dangerous than just what your opinion is. That's fair. I can, I can agree with that. That's fair. Oh, my God. Do you guys hear that? That's fair is pretty much as close to you like <laughs> you're right, Tiana, I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard, for... You are. Oh my God, that's the first time I think she called you, didn't call you Mr. Jones. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to start singing the song. Uh, it's, it's in there. It's in my head. <laughs> um, any facts or numbers you want to throw at us? or? Sure. Uh, the lowest unemployment rates in our history. Um, 
the economic zones, opportunity zones that the Trump administration is putting up in the inner city. Um, you know, there are positive things being done by this administration that I'd like to thank people should share and talk about. Cool. Cool. Um, it's always the economy, which I guess people like that. <laughs> I guess that's a fan. Um, yeah. Okay. There he has uh, the, I didn't know about the economic zones. That's awesome. Was that, did the Trump administration start that or enact that? Yes. Uh, working with the, uh, uh, the secretary for HUD. Mr. Ben Carson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they're going into these different uh, inner cities that are having challenges, you know, with economic development, and they're lowering the tax rate and giving tax incentives to get companies to go into those areas to start to put up business. Okay, yeah, they're called opportunity zones. Yes. But it's a step. It's an effort to get business into a city. And when you have the business, you have opportunity, you have jobs. You don't need to travel as far to make purchases. It's all positive. That is very positive. I guess, thank you, Ben Carson. Good job, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Can't believe that's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) It's working. Oh, Oh my God. Um, Well, you know, I do think there are a lot of things he's trying to cut in the budget that do do not help inner cities, but the Opportunity Zones sound like an amazing idea. All right, we're going to play Who Said It? We're going (laughs) to Who's your who said it? Who said it? Who's your who said it? Well, no, well, because we have to pick people, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to see? Yeah. We're just going to say who said it, and we're not going to tell them anything, and we're just going to ride to see what happens, okay? We're just going to ride. I'm I'm just going to give him the quote. I'm not going to give him options. Okay, okay, okay. Ready? Okay. 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 Let me finish the whole quote. (laughs) You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. I just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. All right. So that's that's an obvious quote, if it's truly word (laughs) from word, from Donald Trump when he was having a conversation with another male. Donald Trump. Ding, 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 ding. I'll see. This is where I get get cut off. Uh... I'm just saying. Men talk a certain way when they're just with other men. It doesn't mean that's their actual behavior. But we don't want to have that part of the conversation. Well, I think, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. We're supposed to be wrapping this up, right? No, no, no. We we got some time. We got some time. (laughs) (laughs) First of all. But what he's describing. I guess this is where we come back to an overall difference of opinions (laughs) on how society should be conducted. If this is just how I talk to my butt, I grab her by the pussy, I force myself on her, dude. (laughs) Don't you think that's a problem? That even that's a joke type of funny way that I may not really do that. I might be really shy and demure when it comes to women. And I want to boast when I'm with another man to kind of feel this kind of alpha type of thing. I don't know if that's what you guys feel. But um, it just seems like the argument that's like, oh, that's just how we talk to each other is like, okay, well bigger problem shouldn't be talking to each other like that it shouldn't be okay to even joke about forcing yourself upon anyone without consent man or woman it's hard for me to envision two of my guy friends when i'm not around say i grab women by the pussy i don't wait I don't wait. I just kiss them and I grab them by the <laughs> pussy isn't that it's aggressive a little aggressive more than like oh like 
I don't know. It just, just seems like very, it just seems on the scale of things. I'm sick of this locker room talk garbage because I, I think I think locker room talk is like, oh my God, like Jen's tits are fucking huge. I love them. I just want to get my face in her tits. I Don't you think that's more akin to locker room talk than, don't worry guys, you can just grab ladies by the puss when you're a celeb. <laughs> <laughs> but like right right now, <laughs> like, right now. <clears throat> i mean so ladies so you obviously have not heard a lot of locker room talk guys banter back and forth guys make crazy statements to see if the next guy can top it with another crazy statement when you're with your buddies and you're just being silly or making comments you say you say you say stupid things also they now, but, hold on, but hold on but but as far as being vulgar and what's accepted in you know you're putting an expectation on a person that they mean maybe, maybe they can't meet so, or maybe they aren't, they don't have today. Not everybody has decorum of a certain level of behavior. You know, there are some people that swear constantly daily as part of normal conversations. And hopefully those people don't become our president. But that doesn't, aff- but swearing I'm, doesn't like, aff- but I'm going back, but I'm going back to, did it actually happen? Is it a behavior that okay. we should accept? The answer is no, but take it at face value. He's talking to another guy. And if they're having that type of conversation, lots of us guys talk that way to our other male friends. And I think that's a problem. I, I, I think that's a problem of what we well, have allowed in this society for right, however long we I, had. Like, to, again, to Sam's point, there's a difference of, I, I, the, again, the forcing yourself onto somebody is just like something that should not be uh, anytime okay. Even if you're joking around, if you're trying to, like, you know, uh, outshock your friend being silly and we don't really mean it It, because maybe 95% of you don't mean it but the 5% that do hear that and are encouraged or see that that's something that's acceptable because we're joking and talking about it so that's my concern and especially and I don't want that guy to be president I'd rather rather have a guy who doesn't want to talk about that so like and I understand things aren't going to change and I understand like you know even though I hate the statement, boys will be boys. But, like, I just think overall we need to have a conversation about the things that we allow. And, like, again, w- words matter, right? There's, there's a lot of strength in words. And if you're, you're saying these things and you're, you're joking about them, you're giving license to them. You're giving license to people to do things like this. So I think the bigger conversation is, like, why is that something that is so acceptable? Why is that a go-to? Like, why is it something that you guys... But also, I have a lot of guy friends... Who, who after that tape came out, they were like, that's gross. Like, that is the, that's right, not fair. like normal locker room talk. So let me do the same survey with my military friends. Let me ask them, were they offended by the comment? Do they believe it actually happens? And if they aren't as sensitive to certain words, they may say, you know what? They're talking in a locker room and that's him just trying to outdo the other guy. The part that you ladies keep missing in this conversation is you're not you have not been exposed to this banter okay. to see that it actually happens and or the frequency. When, when a team takes a bus ride to another school to, to have a sporting event, that bus ride, you're cracking on each other and making comments and having fun, talking a certain way. You wouldn't but talk that way. Yeah, I, I, get, right. I get it. That's what you do. That's but my problem is why do you do it? Because it's, why because is it okay? Why is it okay to joke about raping women? Why is that okay? Why is that fun? Why is that something you want to one up the next guy on? 
That's disgusting. And that is the problem. That is the root to the problem. It's not, oh, this is how we talk. This is when we talk about it. So it's okay to talk about disgusting things in the shadows with just one person. But he was on a, he was on a job. But he, he was. But regardless, like, you're not even talking about the specific comment from Trump now. Now you're just talking about overall, this is how we roll. We're on the bus. We're coming back from a game. But Trump was Why on a job a- with a mic. Right. And I want my president to be a smarter to know that he shouldn't be able to say that while he's hot mic'd. Right. And B, I prefer that I have no quotes of the president saying that. Fair. And now I and I know that and I don't think that he respects women as much as if I didn't if I had never heard that quote from him. Right. So, if you My, if you want certain behaviors or a certain track record or resume for your president, then that needs to be documented to whoever's applying for that position can see your expectations and whether or not they meet your expectations. And then if they don't, you don't have to vote for that person. You're putting too much stock on the face value of this statement and of this moment. As I've said multiple times to guys, it could have been a casual conversation where they were trying to one-up each other. Nobody like said, but this was not a rapist convention where they're comparing. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying but, that. But don't, but don't say we're talking about rape in a serious fashion. We're talking about assault. We're talking about sexual assault. Uh, no, but we're not even talking about that. What I'm saying is when men talk to other so what men. what makes it serious? Listen to what I'm saying. When men talk to other men, we joke with each other and we say outlandish things because we find it funny. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm telling somebody to cause harm. I have five daughters. Why would I joke about rape? Well, what I'm saying is, to your point about climate change, the 95% versus the 5%. So 95% of men can joke about this, and it doesn't mean anything. We're just you know, joking. But there's that 5% who are listening, who go and enact these things, because you create a, an environment that allows this type of conversation, right? People, there's extremists on every end. So it, it's, it's just very frustrating to, to ha- hear somebody say, like, oh, well, I didn't say I'm going to hold her down and rape her. That's not what we were saying. But saying you, I can just go up to a woman, I can just kiss her, I can just grab her by the pussy. It's demeaning. It's demeaning because you've never had somebody come up to you and force themselves upon you. Maybe you have, but majority of women go through things this, like this all the time. So to say that it's okay to joke about it and this and that, and I don't believe people should do that, is 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 ridiculous because we're not holding you accountable saying you're guilty for the actions of other people. We're saying you're guilty for making it something that seems light and okay for people to do. Right. And so joking about it and having this locker room top or, or putting out that and making it okay is not right. It's not okay. You should never talk about forcing yourself upon anyone. And there was a woman on the other door, like Nancy was like on the, uh, right outside the bus, right? Yeah. So, like, women were around. They were not in a locker room. This wasn't after a basketball game. He was on a job promoting The Apprentice hot mic'd. Right. It's like... Hot mics. You know? Yeah. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a, a I, place I, for I, jokes. I hear what you're saying. In that moment when two men were bonding and men bond by telling comments and making statements and doing jokes. Billy Bush was not one-upping him. Billy Bush was, like, laughing. I understand that. That just meant Trump went first, and he set the bar very high. I I got it. Or he set it at an appropriate level. Okay. (laughs) I don't think grabbing anybody by a pussy is an appropriate level joke, Okay, but let's, let's take a different look at this. What if they were at a strip club, and it was a nude strip club, no, listen to my okay, argument. Yeah, no, no. Listen to my argument. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a nude strip club that allows contact. And in that bar, you can walk up to them 
and kiss them, and you could go up there and you could touch them. I, what, I've only what, seen what, that. No, no, I, I've in, been to nude strip clubs. I've you, never I've seen been to that. strip clubs. Ladies, ladies, wait, but you, yeah. so ladies, I'm you can't. On. What strip you, clubs are you going to that you can <laughs> walk up to women and grab them and kiss them? Please go to www.jordan.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, but seriously, no, but, okay. but you're missing what I'm saying. Okay, what I'm okay, saying okay. is sorry, sorry. there are um, places in the world that have a different standard of contact. But Trump a, wasn't at a strip club. Listen to what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just trying to show a different perspective, saying you're trying to tell me that touching somebody in this way and all these actions are inappropriate, but what if you're in a place so if where you're that with be, a sex worker where you're that and consent that, is, is involved sex worker yes who right? is volunteered so to do this that's consent so the difference it, is between consent and, and non-consent so if you work you know, somewhere how do you know Trump wasn't sharing a oh, story oh he was talking about the fantasy place where you can go up and grab strippers by the pussy and just kiss them when you want it's what not, strip club is this it's not a fantasy place in the United States for anybody that has traveled around the world, there are some places where sex isn't as taboo as it is here in the states. I don't think sex is taboo at all. <laughs> now you're you're kind of you're a little deflect, like it's a matter of consent, and it is a big thing. And I think there is there needs to be more education behind what consent really means in this country because clearly the lines are blurred. Okay, and so that conversation starts at home with the parents. With the kids, with the behavior, because now you're talking a much bigger issue. If you're talking about the right. behavior is unacceptable, that's not something that the government's going to mandate. Right. Right. So, and, and that crosses both political parties or all three. It's just the portrait of a gross man. It's a direct quote. The, um, the conversation was uh, Trump asked Billy Bush for a mint, and then he went on this, um, you know, monologue on how he puts on mints to just go up to women and kiss them and grab them by the pussy. That's literally the context. I don't think it's emotional or one-sided. It's sure, just the sure, conversation sure. that happens. Face value, it looks bad, without a Face doubt. Face value, um, inner value, deep within. Like, it just all looks <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next quote. Because, you know. Are we getting closer to that hug? Oh, my. This was on the time. What does society okay. allow? <laughs> all right, ready? As a country, we have to acknowledge that this is how people are being treated, and we have to decide that we are better, and we must do better on immigration. Agreed. Oh, great. It was Rep. Elon Omar, um, who Trump sparred words with recently. But yeah, that was a good quote. I'm down. And I have, oh, you want to do your quote? Yes. Um, I use emotion for the many and reason for the few. Who said it? Hmm. Um, I don't know who said it. I don't like the quote. Okay, good. <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> That's that one. Okay, and the last tro uh, uh, quote I have is, um, we have to take a hard look at mental health. I have one of the healthiest mentals. Wow. Um, I'm not sure who said that one either. I can guess. I can see somebody. I can see the current president's making that statement. Well, close. Um, close. But I don't know. It was Alec Baldwin playing Trump on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> That's a setup question. Uh, well, we're just having fun here. Welcome you know? to the pod. <laughs> Laying in it up. It was pretty tense when I... 
in the beginning when climate change. Sorry, my butt was clenched for most of it. <laughs> I can um, see in your eyes, Sam. Yeah. I think the best way, I mean, I think closing the divide is like keep trying to have conversations, um, trying to see the other person and like, you know, just loving each other as humans. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of it too is there's a lot of things or topics that, you know, like dad said, excite certain emotion or passion, but like seeing like what the root of that passion is and emotion and looking at the issue. Um, Cause a lot of these things really come to like the systematic kind of issues that are going on, you know? So not getting so stuck on the buzzwords or the buzz articles that are kind of go- coming out, but like, you know, going to the root of the problem and kind of, and, and being able to speak to that. Yes. And also to not making assumptions, you know, but also not denying. Right. Not denying like some truths, but because it's, and it's also nice to talk to somebody like, I mean, for me personally, I'm not a dig on UT, but like I always talk about it with uh, not my mom and dad because Mm. I get, I get easily emotional with them Mm. and I feel like we stall. But, like, with your dad, I feel like there was some stalling and there was some pushing back and forth. But, like, right. I heard what he said probably a little bit clearer than I would my mom or my dad. Right. Um, which I don't want to keep politics out of the family dinner. But, like, you know, just <laughs> maybe yeah, think- just thinking about when you talk to other people, when you verse your family to help you right. cope with. And I, I think yeah. it's also important to, like, not to be afraid to disagree right mm-hmm. because like you know coming into this podcast a lot of people are like oh good luck hope your family's still intact afterwards <laughs> oh my god that's, see, that's um, so sad. but then i think it all just kind of comes down to like the relationship that you've built with somebody so if you like trust somebody and you know that like you know like uh, like unconditional love is like some real shit and having these kind of conversations like really proves that right so like yeah, we're definitely probably going to talk about some of the shit <laughs> we said today. And it's probably going to make some of other people in our family uncomfortable. But, I mean, as if you guys have listened for the last seven episodes, that's not going to stop me from, like, kind of saying anything. But I feel like I got that from him, right? right. So I've, I, it's been ingrained in me since I was young to say what my opinion is, even if it doesn't, you know, agree with my family or my friends or the authority at the time and just kind of speak my mind and to, you know, as passionate as I am, I, I try to use as much logic and fact and mm-hmm. data to drive my point because, you know, that's something that's been instilled in me. And it's, again, it's also frustrating to debate with somebody who is literally like sometimes your counterpart on certain <laughs> things and the way that you emotionally process things. And I think that's what makes it harder to talk to family about it is that it's like you guys know each other's either triggers or blocks or like, oh, I know that you're going to just think about it this way. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we might not walk away agreeing on everything, but I know that there's certain things that both of us said that we're going to think about that may change, like, the opinion we had coming into the conversation. Yeah. Mr. Jones, any thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, I'd like to quote Michael Jackson. <laughs> that was left okay. field. I did not see that coming. Okay. We need to start with the man in the mirror. Um, we need to um, look at ourselves and see what we can do to change the way we communicate so that we can have a conversation. Um, if you know you have certain triggers, try something different. Try to have a conversation with somebody, knowing when those triggers come up that you're gonna try and work through them. I mean, today, we had a good conversation. I don't think either one of us moved from our position. I really don't, but it was a good conversation. We talked, right? And I tried to explain, and if it didn't make sense, I tried to explain it a different way. Or 
you explained your concerns or your perspective of what I was saying. I hear it. I don't agree with it. I may not understand it, but I can respect it's your position, back to what I was saying earlier, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to take action. I still want to work with you to get something done. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, and then I also want to say to my oldest daughter, That's me. Tiana Jones, uh, very, very proud of the young lady that you've become. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> just very happy with all the accomplishments that you have and continue to have. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see that you have the strength um, to be able to take care of yourself, uh, convey how you feel, and then be great examples for other women. Well, thank you, Daddy. You're welcome. Well, guys, I think we're going to end it on that note. Yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> and you know, smoking, smoking a J together also helps these conversations. Yeah, that, was nice. that, was, that was good. And I think both sides need to just take facts into account. There you go. Well, thanks again for tuning in and um, being uh, patient with our little hiatus. Yeah. We gave you a real full-blown episode today. <laughs> this is long. This is a we long Come back and swinging, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, don't forget to follow us at, uh, at highly underscore political. And if you can, like, subscribe, leave some comments. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.